I tell you, I love hearing the church sing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, to hear you lifting praises to God just brings joy to my heart. Uh, to have Graham and Marsha leading us every week and all the others who sing, uh, it certainly uh, helps us kind of take all the stresses of the week and just everything that we brought in here, everything we've been focusing on, it just helps us focus our attention on the Lord as we sing those praises. Uh, so I'm grateful for the worship this morning, certainly. Uh, this morning, let me invite you to open uh, your Bibles to Luke 11. We've been in Luke 11, verses 1 through 4 for several weeks now. Uh, Luke 11, 1 through 4. We certainly believe that the Bible is God's Word. We believe it uh, can teach us and train us and guide us. And so what I've been saying for the last several weeks is, you know, we want to get into God's Word. So God's Word gets into us so it can flow out of us as we serve Him each and every day. So we do believe that the Bible is inspired by God, and it is perfect and holy for us this morning. And in the passage we're looking at, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, that he has modeled it, they have watched him do it, they have seen him do it, and then the only request the disciples ever make, the only teaching request that they ever make to Jesus is this one, Lord, teach us to pray. Don't teach us how to cast out demons, don't teach us how to preach, don't teach, teach us how to do evangelism. Don't teach us how to study the Bible. Teach us how to pray. Because they know if they learn how to pray, all that other stuff will fall right into place. Right into place. So as we start this morning, as you turn to Luke 11, I want us to take just a moment and think about how needy you and I are. Have you ever thought about that? Now, a lot of people get mad. You, you, so, I should back up. When I was a youth pastor, there was, uh, we got close to camp, uh, and you know, I relied heavily on my secretary to do most of the paperwork for me. And so as we were getting close, I remember there was one day I would go down and I would say, hey, I need this, or hey, I need this. And like for, the fourth time, I walked down, I said, I need this. And she goes, you're just a needy person today, aren't you? <laughs> But that got me thinking. I really am a needy person. Now, a lot of people don't like to be called needy. Uh, Alpha, who did help do our food this week, and the ladies who did the snacks, fantastic. Uh, they did a great job with all the snacks. Yeah, you can give them a round of applause. So, Alpha, and, and uh, Ralph was here too. Uh, Ralph was here too. So, Alpha, this was a real, and Steve, and Steve, sorry. Forgive me, I'm forgetful. So Alpha, the lady who was in charge, come to find out, was the preschool director where I went to preschool. Small world. Now, how did we figure this out? Because I was the preschool dropout. No joke. So how did we figure out? She didn't really remember me by looking at me or my name, but how did she remember me? As the child who cried every day for two months. Because I was needy. I needed my mama. Well, I just needed something, all right? Uh, so I was needy. We're all needy people. And you're like, well, we grow out of it. You know, of course, when we're born, we're needy. We need people to feed us. We need people to, to change us. We need people, by the way, babies have it made in life. They have all their needs met, and it's fantastic. But, you know, we grow out of it, and we get to be a teenager. Like, I'm not needy, and I'm not dependent. I am independent, 16 years old, you get your license and you think you are the most independent person on the world, right? 
Anybody with me, teenagers? You with me? You can't wait to be 16, right? Because you want to be independent and go wherever you want to go. But you know what you learn at 16? You're just as dependent because you need money for gas. <laughs> that car that's going to take you everywhere won't go unless it's got fuel in it. You know, so we, and we're, we've learned recently that we're dependent upon truck drivers to get the, the gas to the stations. Amen? We are, de- we are needy, dependent people. We also need employers to pay us money as employees so we have the money to buy the gas to go in the car that can make us independent. So do you see how being independent takes a lot of dependency? We are a needy, dependent people in this life. Here's the great thing, though, when we look in the Bible, we look at Luke chapter 11. We are needy, but what we learn is God always provides the necessities. God always provides the necessities to meet our needs. So let's take a look at our passage this morning. We're going to read the whole thing, starting in verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught also his disciples. So he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us in to temptation. When we look at the Lord's Prayer in Luke, it is a little different than what many of us have memorized. And it's a little different than what's in Matthew. Luke's is probably a more Christianized version of the prayer. It's a little shorter But it's saying the exact same things. There is no contradiction between the two prayers. And just to remind you of last week, we start, anytime we go in prayer, we start with God. We have to have the right focus before we make our, you know, the petitions regarding ourselves. And so when we go to prayer, we focus first on the Father. I love what John Calvin wrote in his Institutes of Christian Religion. He says, it is never, it is certain That man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he first looks upon God's face. Now what Calvin is saying is we don't really know who we are until we know whose we are. We don't really know what we need until we know what God tells us we need. And so when we pray, we're praying, Father, Help us to live our life honoring you. Help us to live our life glorifying your name. And help us to live in your will. We pray that your will would be done in all that we do. And with that as the context. Now I said last week, the hardest thing you're ever going to pray, Father, your will be done. Father, your kingdom come. Not my will, not my kingdom. I don't want to build my kingdom. I want to build your kingdom. I don't want my will. I want your will to be done. That's the hardest thing you're ever going to pray because a lot of times what we want and what we think we need is vastly different than what God's going to give us and what God knows we need. And that is the lens and the focus in which we need to have when we start these next petitions which move us from God to ourselves. The first one is we pray for our physical needs. Anybody have physical needs? So we we were having to do a little furniture moving yesterday. We had a long drive back and forth to the beach doing some furniture moving. Friday, now Jennifer thinks I faked it because I was trying to get out of this. Friday, I woke up, my knee hurt. Like, you know, right there, I had that knee pain. Anybody got a knee problem from time to time? 
Yeah, I, you know, and I was like, I can barely walk. And I said, I don't think I can go help move furniture. You're going to have to do it by yourself. And she goes, you just want to get out of it. I said, no, my knee really hurts. And then miraculously, it got better. <laughs> it actually really did hurt. I really did. I don't know. It's, I was a lineman. We have knee issues our whole lives. It just happens. And, uh, but yesterday, before we got started moving, my arm started to hurt. It was really weird how right when we were getting ready to lift a heavy piece of furniture. And, and I was like, I just, I got this physical need. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Uh, but we have physical needs. And what Jesus reminds us is, God's going to provide for him. He said, I love it. He says, pray for your daily bread. Pray for your daily bread each and every day. A lot of us, we, we'll start our week. We'll wake up on Monday. God, give me what I need for the week. God, what I, give me what I need for the month. Jesus says, every single day, ask for him to provide your daily bread. Now, what's really cool, the disciples would have known this, and you may be thinking about it too. When Jesus says this, it probably sparks an image, a picture in the disciples' brain of an event that happened hundreds, thousands of years before this. You go back into Exodus. You got these Israelites wandering around the wilderness, and they're hungry. They need food, and there ain't no food in the desert. And you see in, uh, in Exodus 16 that the Lord tells Moses that he's going to provide for them manna from heaven, or bread from heaven. It's a bread-like substance. Manna from heaven. The only requirement for the Israelites would be do not gather more than you need for that day. Except on Friday, you can gather a double portion on Friday because nobody works on Saturday. That's the Sabbath. So get for two days on that day. Now think about this. Because ty- any type A personalities, any planners who want to have it all planned out. So when COVID was getting ramped up, I would go to the growth. Now this was before it was really ramped up around here. I was one of the people. Now you know where I'm going with this. I was one of the people who was like buying up all the canned goods. Like we have canned goods that we'll never ever eat. And I don't know why I bought it like canned grapefruit or something. My kids will never eat that. But I was, I was every time and I wasn't like cart and buggy. Like every, I would just go four or five times a week and put, you know, I, I would do it every trip. You know, we, we, and so I'm like, I got to be prepared. There's a whole billion dollar industry set up on food prep in case something happens. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with preparing But I got to thinking about the Israelites, they probably would have had trouble with this, the type A personalities who plan it out, because they're like, today, what am I going to do tomorrow? I got to have enough food for tomorrow. In fact, if you gathered too much food, it would go to bad. It wouldn't make it to the next day anyway. And, and, oh, toilet paper shortage. Anybody? That That just thought about people hoarding the toilet paper. And just a few months ago, gas. Did you see, did you see the people putting gas in grocery bags? Yeah, because now that's a part of, oh, I hope nobody did that here. Uh, I hope that wasn't you. But that's the mentality of, we, we, you know what it shows? A lack of trust. It really does. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was any different. I was just as worried about the gas and the food and everything else. I would buy Lysol cans in bulk. We have enough Lysol now for an army. <laughs> the, I'm no different than anybody else. But it shows a lack of trust. It shows a lack of trust in God to meet our daily needs. God provided for the Israelites every day. In fact, in Exodus 16, 17, man, this is just awesome. Listen to this. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot. Some gathered a little. When they measured it by quartz, The person who gathered a lot 
had, had no surplus. The person who gathered little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as they needed to eat. Each and every day for that time, God provided daily for the needs of his people. Now, I know it wasn't what they wanted. I bet after 40, 30 days, however many days they were eating the manna, I bet it got a little stale. I bet it got a little old. Not not like moldy old, but just we're still eating manna. But it provided for their needs, didn't it? God gave them everything they need. In fact, as they're getting ready to go into the promised land, after 40 years of wondering, Moses is not going to get to go in, but he's with the nation as they're preparing to go in. He says this. He looks at the people. He says, your clothing did not wear out and your foot did not swell for 40 years. I imagine for 40 years they had a lot of hardships. I imagine for 40 years they had a lot of wants that were not met. They had a lot of greeds that were not met. But they always had their needs met because they trusted God. And I think that was the point. I think that's what God was trying to teach these people. He's trying to teach the controllers, the type A's, the the planners that it's not necessarily bad to plan. It's not bad to prepare. It's not bad to look ahead. But God's always going to provide for your needs. Not your greeds, not your wants, but your needs. Everything that God knows that you need, he will provide for you. Because he is a good father. He is a loving father. He desires to meet your needs. I love what else Moses says in Deuteronomy 8.3. He goes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not, had not known, so that you might learn that man, listen to this, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Jesus says that. When he's tempted in the wilderness. Man does, remember he's, Jesus is hungry. Satan says turn to rock into bread. And Jesus quotes this verse. So what we see is that there's more to this story really. There's more to just our physical needs being met. We have spiritual needs. We have great physical needs. And God will provide everything we need. Not always what we want. But what he knows that we need. But we have great spiritual needs. And that's what the next petition says. Father Forgive us. That is our greatest spiritual need, is for forgiveness. Father, forgive us of our sins. Now, many of you may have uh, memorized it this way. Father, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us, or our debtors. Well, the word sin is certainly a great translation. He is certainly referring to, Father, forgive us of sin, Forgive us of everything that we've done against you. But that word debt carries a very powerful picture with it. That word debt really communicates better of what I think Jesus is trying to say because of the historical context. The Romans would imprison people for being in debt and not able to pay it back. The disciples would have known this. In fact, Roman prisons were filled with people who were in debt and couldn't pay it back. They weren't filled with criminals. They killed the criminals. I mean, if you were a criminal, you didn't, you didn't make it very long in Rome. But the prisons were filled with people who couldn't pay back their debt to society, their debt to a person. 
And they had to stay in jail until someone paid off their debt or the debt was forgiven. Now, so why would they do this? Well, it's a punishment, but they also wanted to tell the family members to get it in gear, do whatever you had to do, sell whatever you had to sell, you know, work and do whatever you have to do to pay back the debt, then he's going to get out of prison. Now, when you think about the historical context, this brings this passage really to life, doesn't it? Father, forgive me of my debts. We are in debt to God. Well, that doesn't make sense. I, I don't, I've not, what do I owe God? You owe God your obedience. That is what God asked of his people. What did he tell Adam and Eve? You're free to do whatever you want. Don't eat from that tree. Stay away from that tree. All God asked them to do was be obedient. And they didn't do it. All God asks of us is to be obedient, to follow his rules. And none of us in this room can do it. None of us. We are all born with this natural desire to disobey God. And that makes us in debt to God. We owe him for our disobedience. So what happens? We can't pay it back. So we're chained and imprisoned by our sins. Starting to make sense now on why Jesus would have used that word debt? Starting to see it? Our sin has chained us and we can't pay it back. Our only hope is that we would be forgiven of that debt. And so, Father, forgive me of my debt. Because God is merciful to forgive us. That's what he did with Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the sins our sins. He paid our debt. See, God is the only one that can pay the debt, and he did through his son, Jesus Christ. So this prayer, Father, forgive us. Now, I want you to understand that word forgive means to send away. When you pray, Father, send away my sins. Again, let's go back to the Old Testament. There's the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest shows up, and here's a goat. Perfect goat. A lamb. The high priest puts all the sins of the whole nation onto that goat. It's called the scapegoat. All the sins of the whole nation go on that goat. You know what they do with it when all the sins are on the goat? They send it out. And it never comes back. They literally take the sins away. And it never comes back. The Bible says he separates us, as far as the, our, us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what forgiveness is. Sin, giving God our sins... And he takes them away and they never come back. That's what we're praying. Father, forgive us of our sins. Father, send my sins away because Jesus is the scapegoat. He's the Lamb of God. He's that perfect sacrifice. So any of us who believe in him and put our faith and our trust in him and follow him, he's taken our sins and he's taken them away. Now, here's the next thing I want to tell you. Once they're gone, don't pick them back up. Amen? Somebody needs to hear that. Once you say, Jesus, here's my sins, forgive me, don't pick them back up. And that's where that last part of the prayer comes in. Do not lead us into temptation. Don't lead us into temptation. Now, first of all, God's never going to tempt anybody. God is incapable of tempting us to break his rules. So don't, don't misunderstand the prayer. Like, I'm a good dad, the fathers, you're good fathers. You're not going to tempt your kids to break your own rules unless you're just being a mean. You know, you want to punish them. 
Uh, you know, you could do it like if you need to get a loan from your kid and the consequence is taking a dollar if they break a rule. I mean, you could, but that's, that's bad. That's being a bad dad, okay? God's not going to tempt us to break his rules. So this idea, lead us in, not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. What does he mean? He says, God, you forgive me of my sins. Don't let me sin again. Don't let me pick those sins back up. Too many people confess their sins and then they just pick them right back up. Your chain, Christ takes the chains of your sin off of you and you put them right back on. Too many people are doing that. You say, God, don't lead me into temptation. Keep Satan away from me the day you say yes to Jesus and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to say that ever again. I'm not going to drink that ever again. I'm not going to smoke that ever again. I'm not going to look at that girl ever again or guy ever again. You know what's going to happen the very next day? Satan's going to put something in your path to tempt you. So lead us not into temptation. God, help me. Give me strength. Give me strength to overcome those temptations. Father, keep the enemy away from me. God, you know what I struggle with. I think everybody in this room struggles with sin. Your sin may be different than my sin, and my sin is different than your sin, but we all have sins we struggle with. We all have those things in our life that we just, man, we just, we can't let them go. You know, it could be an addiction to something you see on TV, the computer. It could be an addiction to a drug or a drink. You know, it could be anger. That's one I struggle with. It could be temper. It could be gossip. It could be complaining. All sins are equal, and those are some ones I can think of off the top of my head, so I'm not being specific, but... We all struggle with sin, and so we're praying, Father, I need the strength to overcome this. He gives you his spirit to give you the strength to do it. Now, just listen. I'm going to give you two practical ways God answers this prayer. One, lead us not into temptation through the church. He He answers the prayer through the church. And what I mean is we have people who love us. We have people who care for us. God has brought us together as a church family. So we can hold each other accountable. You know, we can fellowship, that's great. We can gather on Sunday mornings and worship, that's great. We can go to Sunday school and study the Bible, that's fantastic. We should hold each other accountable. When we see a brother or sister called in a sin, we should lovingly tell them about it. If we're going to pray, Father, lead me not into temptation, we need to receive a brother or sister who tries to correct us. Again, it's that fine line between judgmental and accountability. I'm talking about lovingly going to a brother and sister and saying, look, I just want to help you. I see that you're doing this, and I know you don't want to do this. You know it's a sin. I know it's a sin. Let me help you. The church can help each other overcome these sins and these temptations. The second one, he gives us our brains. He gives us ourselves. He gives us the Spirit of God in us, working in us and through us. So, and what I mean by that is if you know you struggle with something, Don't put yourself in a a situation where you're going to be tempted. If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar. If you're addicted to pornography, don't be on a computer by yourself. If you're addicted to anger, don't put yourself... This is a hard one. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to get angry. If you're a gossip, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to gossip. Now, that means when somebody's gossiping to you, you have to tell them to stop. That's tough. It's tough for your preacher. It's tough. And in all the sins, any sin you can think of, don't put your, don't go back into that environment. Father, lead me not into temptation. Right back on the computer. When you pray it, let God work in you to keep you away from it. And that means trusting the church to tell you, 
And just don't go there. Just don't go back into that old life. Remember? In Christ we are new creations. Right? Our sins have been, they're gone. Jesus took them away. Don't go back. Don't go back. Father, forgive us of our sins and lead us not into temptation. And I know there's that other section about forgive others. You're going to get that in a few weeks, okay? We're not forgetting that part of the passage. You're going to get that in a few weeks. But today I want us to focus on God's forgiveness of our sins. Our sins. And I want us to focus on asking God to help us through his spirit not pick them back up when we've put them down. It's hard for me. I know it's hard for you. Let the spirit of God work in you and through you. So somebody might need to hear this too today. When Jesus says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. A lot of people, I think, they say it, but then they have this weight and this guilt that just weighs them down. And they just walk through this world. They're like, I'm really, he can't forgive me of this. It's too bad. I mean, I can say it, but he really doesn't forgive me of that. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I know it's Father's Day. The greatest father we have is God. Because he sent his son to pay your debt, to set you free. And if you need to make that decision today in your life and in your heart, don't let anybody stop you from coming forward. Don't let anybody stop you right where you're at in your seat and saying, today's the day I'm just going to say yes to Jesus. Today's the day I'm going to make the decision to send my sins away. And maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. And you still have something that you hadn't put down yet. Put it down today. Put it down. And then get up and go forward as a new creation in Christ Jesus. As you stand and as you sing, I want you to respond as the Spirit of God would lead you to respond. Would you stand and worship with us this morning? Thank you for joining us today. We hope that the Lord has spoke to your heart and has blessed you through this message. If you would like more information about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please reach out to us at one of the following locations. You can visit us online at chinagrovefbc.com slash salvation or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash chinagrovefbc. Thank you and have a blessed rest of the day.